Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. You know, we uh, barriers are helpful, but they're also harmful. Uh, I remember going to the Grand Canyon and we had our three sons with us and we were looking over one of those cliffs looking down into the river and I was thankful for that barrier that they had there for, we had three rambunctious boys that uh, would kind of get on the edge and live life on the edge. So I was thankful for those barriers. So they're good. But sometimes those barriers are hindrances to get in our way from discovering what is out there. Spiritually, it's discovering what God has for us and for others. When you read the book of Acts, I was taught by Dr. James Travis, and he said the theme of the book of Acts is God overcoming all the barriers that would lead to the gospel. And one of those barriers was language. And on the day of Pentecost, God just took care of that barrier, and everyone heard the gospel in their own language. Mm. God is an overcomer, and he makes overcomers of us when we follow him to overcome barriers. This is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper, and it's good to be with you this weekend. I hope you're having a good weekend. And Nathan, you've experienced this, and you've taught a good bit about it when you were teaching there. Uh, you would have those short-term missionaries come, and you'd talk about barriers, and those are difficulties that have to be overcome. But a lot of it is the context of which they can hear the gospel too, isn't it? Yeah. Don't want to get into this part too deep, but basically there are three universal barriers for any people to hear the gospel. And when I say hear the gospel, it means understand its meaning and respond. And really, we know the gospel is Jesus. So basically, these are barriers for people to experience Jesus personally. But the three barriers are context, or that's another way of saying uh, location. One barrier is communication or language. And then another barrier is culture or lens slash worldview. And we've had programs talking about that. But the language barrier is connected with both of those. The only way to understand a people or a group of people's culture is to learn their language, is to be able to communicate in their language. You really don't know a person. You don't, definitely don't know their heart unless you can speak clearly communicate with them. And so language and culture are directly tied with each other, but also location, the context of where they are, you know, obviously determines what language they might speak uh, and even how they speak it. And in Acts chapter two, you know, at Pentecost, we have one thing we have is a picture of the reversal of, of Babel, you know, the confusing right. <laughs> of languages. And here in Acts two, we have uh, the clarity of languages, uh, the clarity of the gospel being proclaimed in every tongue. But you have people from all these locations coming together in Jerusalem. And uh, so let me just read a little bit in Acts chapter 2, 
verse 5 says, Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because they weren't confused because they didn't understand. They were confused because we do understand. How can we understand? Because each one heard them speaking, talking about the apostles, heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, kind of roughnecks, uneducated guys. They wouldn't have time to learn all these languages. How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. And that's a picture of the gospel. God, like you said, overcoming every barrier, this barrier specifically of really location and language for people to understand, hear the gospel, to to experience Jesus in their life. One of the most amazing things in communication, and it does have to do with missions, it really does, is men and women, how different they perceive things, express things. And, you know, I, I, you know, I think men spend a lifetime trying to understand their wives in, in that <laughs> context. And guess what? They, the wives trying to Figure out men while we're so simplistic. Yeah, I think you know? we're a little easier to understand yeah. to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> and and so whatever we do, it is that idea of communicating truth. It's true in missions, and part of missions is discipleship. And discipleship in training others. After you've won them, it doesn't stop, does it? No, absolutely. It's, it's just the beginning. And so that discipleship many times has to be overcome issues that that people have, you know, in their life because they come from a different background. They understand different. And so language is, it couldn't be an issue. Have you ever seen this when I forgot the name of the film, but it's when they, when they get the Bible and it's really the New Testament, they flew it in and the Christians in that culture it had to be a Pacific Island right. culture, it looked like, from what I can remember. And they flew in, and they were getting crates from the airplane, and they started giving it to the pastor, and the pastor would hand a copy of the New Testament to each family. Celebration mm-hmm. beyond measure, yeah. the Word of God in their own language. Yeah. What they had had before, they had been discipled, but they were having to take a language in another language, and the pastor and the teachers would translate it into their language, but they couldn't take it home. Right. But now the Word of God in their own language. Yeah. I mean, it's crucial. We've talked about this many times before, but to understand God's Word in your own heart language, you know, heart language, the language that speaks to the innermost parts of you, the, the your heart. Another way of saying that is mother tongue. In other words, what language did your mom speak at home when you were growing up as a child? You know, you might, there, there are several people who are, especially around the world, outside of the U.S., there are many people who have fluency in multiple languages. 
but only one of those languages is their heart language. And for them to make a genuine response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to experience him in the depths of their soul, where he could change their life, save them, and, make, and see them become disciples of Jesus, they have to hear the, the gospel, the word of God, in their heart language. And so translating God's word is a primary task. And I don't know if we've thought enough about this for our own experience and applied it to ourselves. A technical word or a missional word is the word contextualization, where you take the gospel and you apply it to a one, con- one context and then, an- and then another context. And we same just, gospel. Same gospel. The message exactly. doesn't change, but right. the language changes. Yes, it does. Because you're in a different language and you're a different people group. And so, but we take for granted, because we have so many copies of English translations of the Bible, we forget that it's actually a translation. And when we read, just like we read here today in Acts chapter 2, I'm reading in English. This is God's word. This is the gospel that has been contextualized for me for me to understand it and read it in English. I didn't have to learn Greek. I didn't have to learn Hebrew. I didn't have to learn Aramaic to read the Bible. I was just my mother tongue of English, and I can understand the Bible because somebody has done that work of contextualization, has done that work of translation, so I can read it, and here I am taking it for granted. But there are so many people around the world who can't take that for granted, who have never heard the gospel because because of the barrier of language. So it's, it's really a gift to be able to do that. I'm just thinking right now, just as an example of comparison for Muslim people, for, you know, the religion of Islam, most uh, Muslims cannot read Arabic. But to have the Quran in another language besides Arabic is considered not a true Quran. Uh, for some groups of, of Jews today, the, some of the devout Jews believe unless you can read the Old Testament in Hebrew, you're really, not, you're really not reading the Old Testament. But that's not true with the gospel. That's not true for, for us. We didn't have to learn. Pentecost set that and, up yeah. here, in the, here in the what? In their own language, right. there, not there, in the Greek exactly. language. Exactly. There yeah. is no sacred language. All languages can be sacred. Amen. That's you know? a good point, Nathan. Yeah. I remember this as talking about how it it needs to be realized in word pictures for them. And I I remember this uh, missionary going to Australia, and they were talking about your sins being washed away and you being white as snow. And the Aborigines, who are very dark-skinned individuals, when their skin is white, it means the ashes or the dirt, you know, from their— It's unclean. It's unclean. Yeah. And it was like, how do you get that in their context of what their understanding is? And so the missionary was able to bring it home to them. This is what it's about. It's also true in relationships. That's why teachers and disciple or makers are so important that once you come to Christ, that there's ways of communicating discipleship to others. And part of that discipleship is winning others, isn't it? It doesn't. Okay, I'm I'm saved. I stop. Mm. No, I'm saved. I start. Yeah, that's really the whole concept through you. Yeah, it continues in you. So when we're talking about these barriers and language is one of them, I I just want to mention this in the book of Acts, because 
it really changed my life, and it also set the pattern for pastoral ministry that there were always obstacles that had to be overcome. One of them was society concerning economics. That had to be overcome because basically you had two orders. Uh, you had the rich class and the poor class. And uh, yeah. they, in India now, you still have that caste system, Nathan. Yeah. And, and they don't communicate with one another. And a lot of times you have to reach that individual. You have geographical barriers, and so much has changed. So the reason I was bringing these up, in our lives as believers, as we talk about language and communication, as we talk about contextualization, as we talk about economic and all of those things, God has given us everything we need in order to be overcomers in those areas. They should not stop us from being on mission for God, should they? No, there's uh, no barrier big enough to uh, hold back the gospel. And the only question is, are we going to be obedient to God's call in our life to, to make disciples? Or are we going to be disobedient? And so we become our own barrier. And so we get in our own way. We still don't stop God, what he's doing. We don't stop the spread of the gospel. But it is still critical that God uses each of us in this global mission of seeing a people redeemed from all peoples, tribes, nations, and tongues, languages. So whether that means some of us are called to learn a new language, to be able to share the gospel with those people, if it means we're to give to a ministry that translates the word of God into new languages, if it means we are to uh, be supportive and pray for a Spanish radio uh, ministry, whatever that might be, Let's be obedient to that and know that God will overcome every, go- every barrier to the gospel until, you know, the end result. We know what the end result is. You know, here in Acts 2, the result was that thousands came to know Jesus, came to surrender their life to follow Jesus. And daily, people were added to the church, those that were being saved. And that multiplies through the book of Acts until one day we're going to see around God's throne those nations, tribes, and tongues gathered around saying, worthy is the Lamb. When you read that in the book of Revelation, it, it should motivate us to be all that we can be for Christ. So be on mission for Christ. Follow him. Do his will. And I hope you enjoy this interview that will, again, bring down those barriers that are in our lives. We want to welcome our guest to Exploring Missions today, Kelly Levitino. Kelly, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And from Memphis, Tennessee area. That's right. Originally? No, I've been there since my eighth grade year, but before that I was all over with the Air Force Academy. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is something. And uh, so you're a military brat. That's right. Yep, sure <laughs> well, am. I believe you outgrew that, brat. <laughs> Hopefully. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're here in Nashville at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention that takes place once a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I was looking across from where American Family Radio display was in their booth, and I saw a picture and a name of someone that just drew my attention, and I had to find it, and it was Stephen Alford. That's right. And uh, Stephen Alford is one of the greatest preachers in America the last century. Just a great, great preacher, an expository preacher of the Word of God. 
And I got the privilege of hearing him and going to some of his conferences to try to be more effective in preaching. And so that drew my attention. Tell me the connection with what you do and Stephen Olford. Sure. So I work for a ministry called Global Ministries Foundation. It was founded by Richard and Ginger Hamlet. And they are a nonprofit that they do all kinds of things. But one of the things that they do is Richard was a disciple of Stephen Olford. And when Dr. Olford passed and the the property of the Stephen Olford Center there in Memphis, where he used to train pastors in biblical preaching, that changed hands. And Richard eventually bought it, I believe it was in 2007, and just wants to continue the legacy of... Stephen Olford. So we continue to offer some of those courses that he taught. We even have him on videos, thankfully, to continue to educate people in preaching. Um, And we just offer institutes, but we're also a Christian retreat center. So we're available for rental. Wow. I did not know that part. Yes. Well, I've I've been there because I went to Stephen Olford and to that school and tried to become more effective. But I just got to tell this. I think I told you it's one of my favorite stories mm-hmm. that I've ever heard. We were having Q&A with Dr. Olford, and one man asked the question, Dr. Olford, do you still get butterflies before mm-hmm. you preach? And he said, yes, I do, but at least now they fly in formation. <laughs> and uh, that was it was a relief to all of us. And then yeah. he went ahead and said, if you are speaking for God and you don't have some butterflies before you preach, your confidence probably is in the wrong person. It that's should right. be in the Lord. That's right. So anyway, it's just a great, and that's what intrigued me. But but what you do, mm-hmm. you, you said your day job. Let's right. tell us what you, it uh, sounds like it's really important and you love it. Yes. But it sounds like there's something else that really motivates you as well. What that's is right. that? So I know that God created me to teach the Bible. And he has been just showing me that ever since I became a believer as a teenager, converted from atheism into Christianity, and just fell in love with the scriptures. And so since then, I've gone and I've got an undergrad in biblical studies and theology, got married, had some children, God provided a way to go to seminary um, over at Liberty, and I got a master's in Christian ministry there with a focus on homiletics. And now God is giving me opportunities to speak to women all over the country, uh, usually at retreats or dinners, conferences, that kind of thing. I'm just teaching them the Word of God. And that's really my passion. Amen. Well, how can people get a hold of you? Since you've said that and they're intrigued by that, anybody that's connected with Stephen Alford, they would say they believe the Word of God. Absolutely. (laughs) Yep. Preach the Word, reach the world. That was his mantra. That was it. Well, how can they get a hold of you? Sure. My website is kellylevatino.com. It's just my name, K E L L Y. L-E-V-A-T-I-N-O. Yeah, you're going to have to spell that That's last right. Name. Yeah, kellylevitino.com. I've got a demo on there and all that kind of thing. Okay, so they can find out what they're getting they before, absolutely you, before can. they ask you to come. That's right. Okay. Well, when when you teach the scriptures and mm-hmm. teaches to women, mm-hmm. do you have a certain theme? Usually what happens, people have an area of their life that God really buries into their heart. Like what I do at American Fame Radio, the preaching the word and then we do this mission program, right. and then my wife and I get to talk about family and, and ministry and with pastors and their spouses especially. What drives you? I know the Word of God being taught, but usually there's an area that you really, God is buried into your heart. Yeah, I tend towards apologetics, knowing why you believe what you believe. Okay. Um, that was a big part of my um, conversion story. I was just raised in very academic 
if you can't prove it in a science lab or by math or if it's not written in some history books, it's probably not true and it's definitely not worth thinking about. Uh, so I came out of that mindset and part of my right before I got converted, would I would just talk to eighth graders about faith and they couldn't defend their faith. Right. They didn't know why they believed what they believed, mostly because they'd just been going to church their whole lives. That's what they've always known. Well, so, that's what the Bible says. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when I became a Christian, I really wanted to know why Why are we believing what we're believing? Right. And so I dug into that, and um, I just see that still as biblical literacy is a big deal in the church, and especially among women, that we've got to know why we believe what we believe. So that's really what drives me when I'm speaking. Well, what we need to do with that, and, and the, I do the other program called Exploring the Word. Yes. And Alex McFarlane is the guest, my co-host on that, and he's in apologetics, and that's what drives him. Mm. Through evangelism, you, we, really, in our day, evangelism and apologetics, you better tie them in together. You're because right. we're living in a secular, materialistic world, and they're asking these questions. And if we're not ready to give an answer to the faith that is in them, they'll dismiss us. With We don't know what we're talking about. Absolutely. Blind faith is what they assume. So it's not just with women. So if you equip the women, their moms, guess mm-hmm. what? probably what they're going to do? Pass yeah. it on to you, the children, you think? Yep. And that's the best apologetics course I can think of is trying to raise kids and answer their questions in a simple way that they can understand. Yeah. Well, we raised three boys, and uh, we had to answer many questions. <laughs> I'm and, sure. Uh, they, they come up with them. And children always intimidate me. I, I was a youth <laughs> minister and a pastor, but children intimidate me because they have no throttle on what they might ask. That's true. And, and, and you got to be ready for that. Yeah. But in your experience of these answers, are you getting mm-hmm. to use your apologetics with others? Like when you do the teaching? Absolutely. The, the, the women, some of the women come up and Yes. Take you on personally? Yes, absolutely. They, well, first, they usually can't even believe my story of conversion. Um, but within that, whenever I'm asked to share my testimony, I lay out steps of evangelism that were used with me and how, what processes didn't work and what processes did work. And really, when it came down to it, what finally got me, the Holy Spirit used Scripture. The first person to actually use the Scriptures— and I, and I had never heard any scriptures before, but the first person that actually used scriptures to talk me through the gospel, that's what God used Amen. to save me. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than two-edged sword, isn't it? That's right. I, I tell folks, I said now, it's called the sword of the Spirit. That's right. I said, if I had a sword in my hand and you said, I don't believe that's a sword, what's the best way to prove you that it's a sword? Using it, yep. the Word of God is the Word of God, whether anybody wants to receive it or not. Mm-hmm. You're and right. It is, it is the Word of God. Yeah. And so the Word of God has its place. Preachers and teachers that do not preach the Word, it's kind of empty, isn't it? Wouldn't it is, you say? absolutely. And that has kind of been a problematic area for women's ministry at times. Um, there's certainly plenty of great things out there focused on the Word and that are deeper theologically, but there are also events out there that are more about just relaxing and taking care of yourself and having fun and getting away from your kids for a few days, and all that's great, but if you leave the Word of God out, all that's just going to be temporary peace, temporary relaxation. It's really the Word and your relationship with God, obeying that Word, that's going to bring you the long-lasting peace and joy. 
Well, let's go back to two things that sure. I really want to do. I want to go back to Global Ministries Foundation. Yes. Tell us a little bit about Richard and, and what they're doing. It's amazing. You told us about the home, but there's some radio involved There as well. is, yeah. Dr. Richard Hamlet is the host of a show called Ministry in the Marketplace. It's a weekly show nationwide. He does a devotional, and then he does an interview with somebody. Sometimes it's somebody famous like Priscilla Shire that's having a movie come out, and sometimes it's people in their everyday lives. And he just listens to their stories of how they are ministering in their marketplace, whether that's at home with kids, whether that's at an actual job with coworkers, wherever that is. So he'll do that. And then the other piece of the radio that we're in is we started in October two years ago, the first Hispanic Christian radio station in Tennessee called Buenas Nuevas Memphis. And so right now it's in the Memphis area. And um, God has just really blessed that, that God has just taken that and run with it. And it's really exciting to be a part of. The manager is Irving. Irving Ravello. Irving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's who I met first. Yeah. And I just admit, this guy's on fire for the Lord. He's phenomenal. It yep. is. Okay, one more thing. You've sure. referred to your testimony. Yes. Give us a capsule of your, how you came to Christ. Sure. So I moved here, moved to the Memphis area for my eighth grade year. And I had never lived in the South before for any amount of time. I'd lived in other countries and many other states, but never in the South. And when we got here, the first thing that my brother and I noticed was there was a church every five feet. (laughs) And we didn't know what that was about. Our parents raised us completely devoid of any religious talk one way or the other. So we really did not know anything about Christianity. But I was at a point in my life where I had been to three middle schools in three years in three different states, and I was just over it. And so when I got to Memphis, I was just ready to keep people at arm's length. And the best way to do that there is reject what's important in the culture, which was God. And so I just started arguing with kids that wanted to ask me where I went to church. And I would just argue them into the ground because they couldn't defend their faith. Um, and then the Lord finally had enough of that, and he decided to get my attention. Sound like the Apostle Paul there. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Stopping short of the violence. Yeah. But, well, yeah. I'm glad you didn't get that far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, the Lord got my attention. I ended up at a church one night watching a friend's band play, and it was beyond me that it was going to be a Christian band. Like, that didn't register at all. But I saw the Spirit working in kids' lives, and they were worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. And that got me thinking maybe there's a God. But nobody shared the gospel with me that night. So my life didn't change. And my life went on another year and a half. And God ended up strategically removing my idols in relationships from my life until there was no one left. And I told God, like, if you want me to get through this difficult season, you're going to have to do it. And I depended on God. But nobody shared the gospel with me, so my life didn't change. I finally went back to school, and I had some Christian students who didn't talk to me about God. They just loved me well. They just loved me well. And so as they built a relationship with me and loved me well, they started inviting me to their home where they had an outreach group. Of course, they didn't tell me that's what it was. Um, We were just hanging out and talking. Um, But it was at that outreach group that an adult finally took the Romans Road and use the scriptures to explain the gospel. And right then and there, I knew I believed it. Amen. Kelly, thank you for being with us. Absolutely. So glad to. Well, tell us again where they can reach you. If there's a lady out there and they say, we need that kind of ministry in our church, how can they get a hold of you? Absolutely. If you'll just go to my website, kellylevitino.com, and you've got a contact form. You've got everything that you need to contact me there. 
thank you again for being with us. Absolutely. And we want to thank you for being and hearing Exploring Missions, and we pray that God would call you to be on mission for Him. Thank you.